Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I'm joined by OG co-host Rachel to wrap our reading year this 2020 and talk about our favorites. Yes, I am so excited to be back. I was trying to make an analogy like I'm, I don't know, like the ant that just shows up at Christmas and like eats your food and then (laughs) leaves again and doesn't talk to you all year. I'm just kidding. We talk. But it's been a year since I've been on the podcast. Last year, at least, we did kind of a mid-year check-in. But Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm excited that hopefully some of the books I'll be talking about might be ones that flew under the radar. That's, That's my hope, at least. The thing with this, we were talking and we just had so many favorites that I'm like, how about we just pick multiple ones for each category and then we just keep adding categories because we don't want to leave any out. That definitely happened. As soon as you started putting in more than one, I was like, okay, I'm doing that. And then I was like, well, she only put two, but I have three I want to talk about here. And and yeah, and then you went back again and said, I'm adding all these extra categories. And <laughs> Yeah, I think this is going to be a good long one. So, uh, and the great thing too is you always put links in um, in the website, right? So that helps people mm-hmm. out because otherwise, I know when I'm listening to podcasts and they don't do that, and then I'm like frantically trying to write things down as they're talking, it drives me nuts. So we all appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been on the other end of that too, listening to like book podcasts while I'm at work, and I'm like, I can't, I can't stop this right now and write anything down. I'm in, I'm in work. <laughs> it's like, come I'm on, in work. <laughs> Um, Yeah, oh my gosh, I feel like this was probably the best year for horror fiction since we've done the podcast. I'm going to make that bold claim. It's out there. I was going to say the same thing, actually. (laughs) I know we won't get political, but like 2020 wasn't the best year in other aspects. But for horror fiction, it was amazing. I had such a good reading year. So I'm glad you felt the same, that (laughs) it wasn't just me. Well, there was just so many new releases and I was worried this was going to be a slow reading year because my daughter was born in March and as you know babies uh take away like a little bit of your attention they're a little a little high maintenance <laughs> a little it's whiny a little hard to get some reading done but um yeah I was able to surpass the Goodreads goal I had set for myself which was big and I read I think the most new releases that I've ever read <laughs> I think I saw you say that online and I think that's hilarious but I mean it makes sense you're doing the podcast so you're hearing about all the new releases and like I said it was just such a good year and I think especially there was a lot of focus in publishing on uh, I guess highlighting diverse voices and with that there's definitely trends in my favorites that they ended up being just fantastic books that also happen to be wonderfully diverse and I can see that in your list too I'm kind of creeping on your picks as we go along so (laughs) look at us here um I think it's just I don't know just a really well-rounded year of horror in terms of like genre and author and stories like yeah like this was the easiest I've ever come up with um, putting together all these categories. Like there was no stretches where I'm like, well, I guess this book was kind of okay. I'll include it for a novella. It was like, okay, I need this one and this one. And then which one do I cut? Because we can't make this episode five hours long as much as yeah. some people might want. But I don't think anyone wants to edit that because that'll definitely be on you, Stephanie. I, I do not want to edit that. No. <laughs> um, and Yeah, I have a sleeping baby right now, so I got to just, like, jump in when I have the chance. I get that. It's like, do you have a ticking time bomb on the other side? Yeah. 
This episode is brought to you by Libro FM. Libro FM is the first and only company which lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 150,000 audiobooks, including bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers. You'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But you'll be part of a different story, one that supports community. If you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to get more books into your busy life. Listen during your commute, while doing chores, walking the dog, or just relaxing at home. All you need is a smartphone and the free Libro FM app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, check out recommendations and curated lists from people who know audiobooks best. Booksellers. I mean, and us. We also have a playlist on there full of books that have been recommended on this podcast. Books in the Freezer special offer, you get two audiobooks for the price of one, just $14.99, with your first month of membership using code FREEZERBOOK. This offer is valid for new members in Canada and the United States. Thank you, Libro FM, for supporting the show. So, like I said, we have multiple picks, multiple categories. This isn't the Academy Awards, so it's not official, and we could do whatever we want. So, we just wanted to talk about a million books. <laughs> I'm excited. So we are starting off with the big one. That is best novel of 2020. And as I mentioned, I do have two picks for this. And my first one is The Only Good Indians by Stephen Graham Jones. I loved this. I actually read this twice. I read this, the ebook version on NetGalley. And I think I gave it like four stars because you know how it is like you read something and you get like distracted and you're reading like too many things but i read it again um, i listened to the audiobook on libro fm and i gave it five stars i thought it was really well done this is about four american indian men that are essentially being stalked and hunted by a mistake in their past it's a supernatural revenge story and there were some scenes in here that were like horrifying and so tense and full of body horror and dread and I thought the supernatural elements just worked so well. Stephen Graham Jones I feel like always has a way of adding heart and stakes into the story I think in a way that really worked here and I feel like blown away is like my my phrase this year but I was really blown away by it by how much I ended up enjoying this so that is my one pick for favorite novel of 2020. That's one that I so badly wanted to read this year. I got an arc, but for whatever reason, I ended up not reading it. And that's my own fault that I kept waiting for the perfect time because it sounds like such a me book. I love indigenous stories, of course, when they're horror even better. And everyone says, yeah, it's horrifying. And I've really come to appreciate more character-focused stories with more you know, kind of a slow buildup. I've really started to, as we've talked about in previous years, you know, I've seen my horror taste evolve as we've gone along. And yeah, this is one that I want to read it so badly, but I want to read it at the absolute perfect time. Because like you said, I could see it absolutely being a five-star read for me. And so I don't want to mess it up by being distracted or overtired or anything. So I keep starting it and then I'm like, I'll wait till later. And the year is over and I still have not read it. What is wrong with me? But you're definitely reminding me that it needs to happen very early in 2021. Yeah, I think you really like it. There's some really good body horror elements. And I think 
it's also paced really well like i said this is following four different characters and they all kind of get like their little chunk before it moves on to like the next story but you also know how all these people are related and they all are kind of going back to the same event that they're all looking back on i just thought it was great (laughs) that sounds amazing (laughs) my next pick is Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. And this actually just won the Goodreads Horror Award, I which s- is big news because she unseated Stephen King. I saw that. That's, I think, a first for the Goodreads Awards. I really liked the story. Um, I think I've mentioned before, Gothic stories are kind of hit or miss for me because of pacing. And what I really liked about the story is that the story gets going like right away. Like the first chapter, you get introduced to Noemi, you get a feel for who she is. The problem is set up by the second chapter. She is on her way to high place. Like it gets going. It doesn't spend like five chapters doing this, which I really appreciated. (laughs) For those who don't know, this is like a nod to the old gothic tropes but this takes place in 1950s mexico and we are following a socialite noemi who gets a letter from her cousin saying that she's in trouble at the estate that the family she married into lives noemi heads to high place to see what's going on with her cousin and why she was writing these like really weird sounding letters and kind of making these crazy claims and she meets um her I was like what is the relationship to her like cousin like her cousins her yeah. cousins in laws yeah essentially and they're weird and they make a lot of like weird passive aggressive like racist comments there's a lot of like tense like get out level like cringy dinner scenes you have to sit through and there is just like something going on like capital S something is happening yeah <laughs> And I loved this. I think because I loved Noemi, like I said, right away, we get a feel for who she is as a person. This is the 1950s, but she is feminist. And I love that she is very feminine. Like she loves wearing makeup. She loves dressing up. She very unapologetically is who she is. And I think unlike a lot of gothic heroines, she talks back and doesn't just take these passive aggressive comments sitting down and is smart and quick witted and kind of says her two cents about how she feels about things and I just I don't know I really loved this it took a turn for like the crazy weird in a way that I loved (laughs) (laughs) me too (laughs) I'm in a a Facebook group for like suburban moms of course Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) and, and they were talking about this book and they're like I liked the beginning but then it just went like a little too dark for my taste i'm like that's when it got good (laughs) (laughs) i'm like that is a recommendation (laughs) i'm sold that is one i have read and agree with everything you said i do not tend to like gothic fiction for kind of same reasons you were saying but i actually think this is one like it's gothic fiction that if anything almost works better for people like us that are a little bit hit or miss because it takes the tropes but then it kind of turns them on their head like if you're looking for a really classic gothic piece if anything you might almost be disappointed because it's not that once it gets going it's like okay we're going in this direction and I like that you pointed out that she's really feminist because that's something I see is like when you get these like strong female characters I find they don't tend to lean into their like feminine aspects like the fact that she speaks her mind but then she also likes makeup and dresses and it's not one or the other because I'm so used to being like she's a strong woman so she hates dresses and hates looking pretty and it's like can't we be both can't we want both things I agree I just 
absolutely loved her as a character. So good. Well, I guess I can jump in with my first pick for favorite novel published in 2020, and that is The Ghost Tree. And this follows a town where there are these grisly murders that take place of these young women. And specifically, the story is told over multiple perspectives, but primarily it focuses on two young teenage girls that are best friends. And so I pitched this as a supernatural horror novel, but it's also a female coming-of-age story. And for those of you that follow me on social media, you might know that I've been looking for a story like this for so long. There are other books out there that are pitched as like a female coming-of-age story, but I've read those and they just didn't quite hit the mark for me. And then I read this one and honestly, it was just perfect. I love the supernatural aspects to it. Basically, the girls start to see images of the dead people in the woods. And it definitely reminded me of Imaginary Friend. For those of you that loved that one, that was one of my favorite picks from last year. This one gave me similar vibes. And I almost want to describe this book as comforting. I think what Christina Henry does so well is her storytelling because she just writes a story that is just in some ways very familiar. It's not uh, taking the horror genre and going somewhere that's never been gone before. But I just loved each moment, each beat of the story, and I was just pulled into it. And like I said, you have this female friendship at the center of it. So then with that, you get, uh, you know, the things that girls deal with as they grow up and they start to get interest in boys and their relationships, which can be so intense, change. And you get to see how that affects everything and just the challenges of growing up and being a girl. And while I'm, of course, pitching this to a female audience, I will say that the book totally holds up, even if you're a guy and do not necessarily relate to the female coming of age narrative. There is so much more in this book. It's just a really tight, wonderful little story. And I know you read this one too, right? Yeah, I really liked this one. I love Christina Henry. I read, I think the first thing I ever read by her was Lost Boy. And I will say like, I'm not huge on kind of like fairy tale retelling type stories, but it's just her storytelling. I was just sucked in. And you're right. It did touch on a lot of good coming of age narratives. I think one of the things I liked is that it it talks about that thing in your childhood where sometimes you outgrow relationships and you don't know how to handle that because this has been your best friend for forever but you kind of get to the point where you might be interested in different things and what does that mean for you and also it did talk about periods which guess what are a big part of (laughs) coming of age girl stories i wasn't sure if i should mention that i was like (laughs) if i mention that will stephanie want to cut that out (laughs) But it happens. And you know what? It's real and it sucks. And thank you for writing that. I definitely want to read more by her. I'm like you. I don't really normally am drawn to fairy tale retellings, but I just feel like she's such a talented storyteller. And I know she has another book coming out in 2021. So I'm dying to get my hands on that one. Well, I feel like it wouldn't be an episode of Books in the Freezer if we didn't talk about some Paul Tremblay. So my second pick is going to be Survivor Song. And this is another one I was able to read an advanced copy of. The short synopsis is that it's about an apocalypse following a young woman who is pregnant right at the beginning of the story, so not a spoiler in chapter one. Her home is attacked and she is forced to go on the run. She teams up with her best friend. And they need to find safety. They need to find a place for her to have her baby. So they're rushing to find a hospital. 
And I just love this one. So first off, I don't actually like apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic horror just in general. Like it's not a genre that I will just pick up because I'm like, oh, I just cannot get enough of this, especially this year. I did not think I wanted to read <laughs> read about the topic. I'll be honest, but Paul Tremblay does it right. So I just love what he does with his books. First off, he's an amazing writer. I do think he has a lot of literary talent, but what I think he does so well is his character work because his stories are so intimate because that's the thing with an apocalyptic story. Normally it's about these huge ramifications and following a huge cast of characters over a long span of time. But instead it's this really intimate story about female friendship. Again, apparently have themes this year and you really get to see their relationship and how they have to lean on each other. And yeah, this book is like just from the topic, it shouldn't be something I would love so much, but it was done so well because in a lot of ways it's a road trip story, which normally, again, I don't like, but this book I loved. And I have to mention that we have a mutual friend, Stephanie, that we were discussing this because I read this book, like I said, before it came out, which means I was reading it when you were still pregnant at the <laughs> beginning of all this. And so myself and our friend, we were saying, oh my goodness, is Stephanie reading this book? She should not read this book this year. This is going to give her nightmares. I was so terrified for you to read this and have like an anxiety attack because honest to goodness, I could not have read this book when I was pregnant, not this year, especially because it was such an absolutely terrifying situation. And from what I've heard, he wrote this book before 2020. So it's just incredible that um, he was able to strangely predict so much of what we'd be going through this year. Yeah, it's so crazy because it is about like a virus. And I gave birth to my daughter in mid-March. So it was kind of at the beginning of lockdown here. And when I walked into the hospital, it was a ghost town. Like, we literally had to, like, walk around and, like, knock on doors <laughs> and be like, hey, um, I'm, I'm scheduled to have a baby today. <laughs> What's going on? Um, and it it was just so crazy. I know people are not going to find this that interesting, but because that was kind of the start of everything, after I had her, like, they closed down the nursery in the hospital. So, like, everyone had to come into your room to do, like, all the tests and everything oh. right there. It was just, like, such a weird, yeah. unprecedented time. And I think I read this right after I had her. Oh, like, gosh. I, it. I was like, I don't know if I want to read this pregnant. And that was a very good call. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because <laughs> just right off the bat, I was very anxious. There's just, like, a small scene where, like, things are starting to get tense and her husband goes to the store and like his cell phone isn't charged and I'm like charge your cell phone oh I know I was like it's actually my own husband right <laughs> going to Costco right now and you're absolutely right about the scope that it is this like it takes place basically within a 24-hour span and you are just following these two characters with like their one sole mission to get this pregnant woman help and get her to a hospital and get her to have this baby and yes. the stakes keep getting higher and higher and of course there's the usual Paul Tremblay emotional gut punch scenes in there that absolutely work on me because they always work on me <laughs> oh yes I was <laughs> plenty devastated at many a time uh so yeah I love this one I'm so glad you picked it yeah it had to be on the list I was like one of us has to talk about this one <laughs> And I wasn't sure if you were too scarred from it to discuss it. So I decided to take it on for you. Absolutely loved it. Highly recommend. It was one that got mentioned a lot when I uh, asked people what their favorite of the year was, which I will read some comments now. 
So I asked on Instagram what everyone's favorite 2020 novel was, and I got a few answers. Um, so Johan over at Jobis89 says, Maggie's Grave by David Sodergren, because David delivered an absolutely insane, shocking, and unforgettable horror novel like he always does. I don't binge books often, but I always binge his. I need to read more of his books. I read um, his debut novel, The Forgotten Island, and like really liked it. <laughs> so that's like another author that's like, I do need to read more by him. So thank you for reminding me. Yeah, same here. I love The Forgotten Island, but same thing. I'm like, I need to read more by him. I should probably do that. <laughs> He's written two other books. We should probably get on that. Uh, at Talking Scared Pod said, Probably The Loop by Jeremy Robert Johnson. It reads like a 1950s teen movie directed by David Cronenberg. There is one scene of explosive violence in the middle that delighted me and appalled me in equal measure. <laughs> it's such a fun book, yet so ludicrously dark. Plus, Jeremy was a great guest on the show. I'd also recommend It Will Just Be Us by Joe Kaplan, a haunted house novel that's next in the lineage of Hill House and The Shining. I read The Loop this year and I agree. It was a ton of fun. Again, it was another like fast paced, doesn't let up story with like teen protagonists. And it kind of deals with like conspiracy theories and like big tech and a lot of like body horror and violence. And it was a ton of fun. Like that's a very fun, like thrilling horror fast paced book if you, anyone is looking for something along those lines. Yeah, that one sounds amazing. It's on my nightstand right now, so I really got to get to it. I'll be saying this throughout the whole episode for the ones I haven't read yet. I think you're going to like it. I feel like it's very much a Rachel book. That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> you know my taste. <laughs> and at AM Builder says, for me, it was the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. I loved female friendships. I was so frustrated by the gaslighting by the husbands and the manipulations by the sociopathic vampire. And I felt so empowered by the resilience and strength of the women. Of course, I had to like, <laughs> we had to talk about this one too. I really enjoyed this one. I thought this one was a ton of fun. Um, I did love all the like lady friendships and that they bonded over this like true crime book club. Did you read this one? I did. And yeah, I thought it was so relatable because at first they actually had a different book club that wasn't true crime. And I feel like I've lived that book club story before where you're reading books that no one actually enjoys. And then finally you realize that you just want to read about all the stabby books. So you start your own book club and it's so much better. <laughs> I love the one lady who's like, um, they invite their husbands over and she's like, I actually told my husband this was a Bible study. So can we all just like go with that for a little bit? <laughs> oh, I forgot sure. that. <laughs> yes. The, the husbands were the worst and I wanted to collectively just punch them all in the face. Yeah. And Grady Hendrix, we've said it before, but he's one of the male authors who can write female characters amazingly well. He just <laughs> hits female friendship on the head perfectly. Okay, so this is the next episode I'm talking about, but I am so excited for the final girl support club next year. Yes. <laughs> that might be his best yet. It just sounds amazing. <laughs> I love stories about like aftermath of trauma, like what happens after the horror movie. So I'm just really interested. In oh, that. I know. And it's such an overdone trope, but Grady Hendrix always takes those tropes and makes them fresh again because he always goes in his own direction. So we are moving on to the next category, which 
is novella and yes i do have two picks for this as well because i couldn't pick just one um so the first book was one i mentioned in the last episode but it is we need to do something by max booth the third this is about a family who is stuck inside a bathroom during a storm and i love stories about like dysfunctional families in like tight settings where they have to (laughs) deal with each other so there is a bit of that in here and obviously the stakes are really high like they're um they're like stuck stuck in the bathroom like they they can't open the door there's no like window out and things just get like worse and worse as you're reading the story you're like it can't possibly get any worse it does it does get worse (laughs) and i loved that there was some hints at supernatural elements and i loved this while i was reading this i thought this could be a play with just the like one small setting like single set cast of characters then I saw that this actually um just got wrapped up like an adaptation was just made like a movie adaptation so I am really excited to see how that translates to a movie because I think it would be perfect well that definitely sounds like a intimate uh piece of horror for sure I'll have to look that one up um, my next pick is a little more lighthearted. <laughs> it is Cirque Berserk by Jessica Guest. This is part of the Rewind or Die series of novellas that came out this year. Um, Unnerving, I think, released like one novella a month. And they're supposed to be kind of like these fun throwback horror titles. And there were so many good ones, even just within the ones I read of the Rewind or Die series, that I was kind of torn but I ended up going with this one. This is set in Florida and it follows a group of teens on their senior trip who decide to make a detour to an abandoned fairground called Cirque Berserk where there was like a massacre years ago. And this just had a very fun setting. And I think it had some good commentary on the black best friend trope in horror. And I think especially if you watched horror noir um, the documentary on Shutter, and you saw the part where you know actress Rachel True is talking about her work, and she said you could make a montage of all the times my character just says, "Are you okay?" to the white main character, like, "Are you okay? Are you okay? Are you feeling okay?" And I thought this book was a really interesting commentary on that, and it takes a very interesting turn. And I thought it was very inventive and creative. I was just very invested (laughs) in this story that's very short. And I just loved it. Another one that I almost picked was uh, Mackenzie's All You Need Is Love and a Strong Electric Current because it had me cracking up. like the whole book I had her on to talk about revenge stories and she's just like such a funny person in real life and that totally comes through in her writing but my pick for novella is Cirque Berserk by Jessica Guess that sounds great as well so I had to keep up with you so I also picked two novellas (laughs) the first one is an absolute favorite of the year and that is Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones I'll try to keep the synopsis short because I do think it's one you want to go into fairly blind. Basically, it follows a group of teenagers that decide to pull a prank on one of their friends by taking a mannequin into a movie theater. Something goes wrong and the story basically spirals into a slasher story. You know, I love a good slasher. And this one to me is just so well plotted. 
And that's why it's so hard to talk about. But there are so many good lines and moments and the characters' observations about what are happening are just so poignant. I remember reading this and I was messaging you, Stephanie, knowing that you had read it already and saying, oh, I love this line. I love this part. And just everything felt so intentional and so well thought out. I know a lot of people that really like this one. I love this one. I feel like it just doesn't get the appreciation it needs because like I said it's so purposeful and so well drawn so again I need to go and read Stephen Graham Jones novel that he published this year because his novella was an absolute favorite of mine love it so much and yeah it takes tropes that I've seen done before but it does it in a really fresh way again that is Night of the Mannequins by Stephen Graham Jones yeah, I don't want to give anything away for this either, but I loved it and I loved the narrator. Well, I had a complicated relationship with him, but I loved his voice. Yes. <laughs> as he was going through. It just made it such a memorable story, I thought. Just so well done. The other novella I picked out for this was The Girl in the Video by David Michael Wilson, which I know is a guest on the podcast. Uh, this, again, for those of you who don't remember, is about a man who's living in Japan. He's working as an English teacher there. He receives this odd video in his inbox that basically is this girl wearing a Hello Kitty mask, kind of acting very sexy. At first, it's kind of erotic, but then he becomes a bit disturbed because he doesn't know where it came from. And he begins to worry as things escalate throughout the short story. And I like this one because I thought it did a really good job of highlighting the creepiness that comes with being online and people potentially breaking into your social media accounts and so forth. As people like ourselves that do have social media presences, I'm still doing YouTube videos. The idea of someone breaking into those accounts and sending me things and all of that really scares me because for someone who is online so much, I'm actually really terrified of being exposed online. And I thought that this book was just, yeah, creepy and unsettling. And it just basically delivered what I expected from it. And I really enjoyed it. So I thought that would be a good second pick for the novella category. Again, that one is called The Girl in the Video by David Michael Wilson. I really liked that one too. All right. Moving on, because we will be here for like three hours. <laughs> yes. Um, short story. For this, I will say I only have one because I have a few short stories I want to talk about when we get to the anthology section. So just the one short story that I feel like really stood out to me this year was in an anthology from Flame Tree Press called After Sundown. Um it was just like a general anthology. There wasn't a theme to it or anything, but that was Swanskin by Allison Littlewood. And it's from the perspective of a young boy in kind of this old timey like seaside fishing village. And it's kind of a feminist fairy tale about like the women that are wives in this fishing village and how they used to be swans and I don't know I really loved the turn that it took and I thought it was really well written and it made me want to pick up more Alice in Littlewood because I know she's written a few novels like kind of in the historical horror <laughs> vein so that was Swanskin by Alice in Littlewood and that is in the After Sundown anthology from Flame Tree Press. That sounds great. I decided to highlight a short story collection for this category. So meaning a collection written by one author. And I kind of cheated because I actually picked a short story graphic novel or rather a manga. Surprise, surprise. I'm back with more Junji Ito. <laughs> I kind of love the guy. 
This is the collection he published in 2020 called Venus in the Blind Spot. And I'll just briefly mention a few stories, keeping the synopsis again pretty short. The first one I want to talk about is Billions Alone, which is super timely for 2020 because it's basically a warning against the dangers of social gatherings and it pretty much rewards those that decide to self-isolate. I was trying to find online whether or not this story was actually written you know, in March or after. I'm not quite sure, but it's incredibly on the nose, so I really did enjoy that one. A couple of the stories were previously published in other collections, but I love them coming together in this one. So there's the Enigma of Imagra Fault, which is about a group of archaeologists that discover a place in the desert where there are human-sized tunnels that appear to go on forever, and people just feel compelled to go into these holes. And basically it creates the most intense feeling of claustrophobia. There's also the sad tale of the principal post, which is short and depressing about a man who gets crushed by a supporting pole in his house. There's a story about creepy dolls. There's another story about a woman that licks people and I could just keep going, but I'll let you experience the rest of the collection for yourself. But I basically loved every single story in the collection. I think it's a great place to start for those of you that want to try Genji Ito. Again, it's short stories, so super easy to pick up and yeah, just a great show of his work. I love it so much. Again, that's Venus in the Blind Spot by Genji Ito. All right, and moving on to our anthology category, do you want to start this one off? Sure. I didn't read as many anthologies this year, so the one I'm going to focus on is Final Cuts, which is edited by podcast favorite Ellen Datlow. And this was an anthology of horror stories that are inspired by film or other similar media. And so there were two stories in the collection that to me stood out, the first one being Drunk Physics by Kelly Armstrong, another Canadian over there. And this is about two girls that get drunk and film themselves discussing physics and they post on the internet. However, things get weird when they start getting weird comments and these unexplainable images start showing up in their videos. As I mentioned, I'm still filming and putting up YouTube videos myself, so this story definitely hit home to me. The other story I want to mention is Night of the Living by Paul Cornell, and this is about a matinee theater that is showing films to senior citizens and things go horribly wrong. I'll leave it there, but <laughs> I do enjoy these kind of stories, and I just had a lot of fun with the whole collection because, again, I really like when horror mixes with modern media, especially film. I know we did a whole episode on the topic uh, back in the day, and this collection would definitely fit well within that theme. I love Ellen Datlow, and this is on my Kindle right now, so I need to get to it because I also really enjoy that as a subgenre. Yes. <laughs> so my favorite anthology of the year is the Valancourt Book of World Horror Stories, and these are all um, stories in translation from different countries around the world. And it was so interesting to read the story and hear from authors that I have never heard of that are being translated into English for the first time but you know like have a following in you know Italy and Sweden and Spain and just everywhere and there is such a variety in the kinds of horror in this anthology I just as an experience absolutely loved it um 
Some of my favorites were one called Señor Legati, and this is from Mexico by Bernardo Esquinca. Oh, yeah, fancy, fancy. <laughs> this is about a struggling horror writer who gets an offer from a patron who promises to give him housing, like a place to live, but is it worth the price? He's going to find out if that's worth it or not. I don't want to say too much, obviously, because these are all short stories. The next one I really liked was called Menopause. This was from the Ivory Coast by Flor Hazomi. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry. Um, but this is about a woman who tries to get in touch with her friend Clemence when she returns from vacation, but no one seems to remember her. And I really liked this one. This was kind of tackling the horrors of aging. And another one that I thought was really fun was called Donation. This is from Denmark by Lars Ahn. And in this one, a young boy comes to a door collecting donations for charity, and he knocks on the door of an apartment of this young couple. And he asks to use the restroom, and he gets invited inside and won't leave. And he kind of starts testing their relationship and kind of pinning them against each other. And it was so much fun like it kind of had like the evil kid but also i love a good story where horror is like a putting strains on a relationship like that's what i love about like haunted house stories like i said dysfunctional families like forced into like, a situation <laughs> that is definitely a stephanie book yeah so this hit like all of that um and that was the valencourt book of world horror stories and it seems like this is going to be a series so this is like the first one they will be making more and translating more stories which i am so excited well that is fantastic um, because that's something i need to do actually i realize that i don't read a lot of horror in translation and so that's definitely one that i need to pick up because that sounds just exactly what i'm looking for and like i said i really have connected with diverse stories this year i just think that they offer something fresh to the genre and yeah, that sounds like a really good place to start with trying out some new authors that otherwise I wouldn't have heard of or had a chance to read. So moving on, we actually have a translated genre this year. <laughs> um, and I want to talk about one of my favorite books. <laughs> and that is Tender is the Flesh by Agustina Basterica. This was translated by Sarah Moses. This story was wild. So it takes place in Argentina. It's kind of the near future. We are following Marcos, who works at the local processing plant in the business of slaughtering humans. But nobody calls them that anymore. They are called special meat. With Marcos, like his wife has left him. His father is sinking into dementia. He tries not to think too hard about how he makes a living. After all, it happened so quickly. First, it was reported that an infectious virus made all animal meat poisonous to humans. Then the government initiated the transition. Now eating human meat, special meat, is legal. Marcos tries to stick to numbers, consignments, processing. Then one day he's given a gift, a live specimen of the finest quality, though he's aware that any form of personal contact is forbidden on pain of death. Little by little, he starts to treat her like a human being, and soon he becomes tortured by what he has lost and what still might be saved. So oh my gosh so yeah this is like a world where humans are consumed as meat and i think it was a very interesting look at how things like that can be brushed off and compartmentalized and we are following marcos who is 
like in a really tough spot in regards to his marriage and he is grieving and dealing with a sick father and like a weird relationship with his sister and like in the middle of all this loneliness he is given this you know woman but he can't call her that like he she is essentially meat to be slaughtered for him like you know one of the vendors gives him this as a as a gift and it's just such an odd story and i absolutely loved it i thought it was very inventive and crazy i just five stars like i'm just speechless <laughs> i don't usually like dystopian stories that might be a spicy take because i know that's like a lot of people's favorite but like i'm not usually into it loved this absolutely loved this <laughs> I'm glad you said that because that was the only thing that's been holding me off from reading it is I'm going, oh, I don't know if I want to read dystopian. This year's kind of been a living dystopian. <laughs> but I have seen so many five-star reviews of it. And yet that synopsis, that premise is bonkers. But I love how it plays in the theme as like women as meat. And oh, like I could see myself really loving it. So again, it's almost that situation where I want to read it so badly but I also want to read it at the perfect time knowing that it should be another five-star read for me so I don't know you're just reselling it to me (laughs) I want to like let's stop recording I'm just going to go and read it right now (laughs) so what about you so as I mentioned I did not read as much translated fiction as I thought I had this year so I'm going to slightly cheat, and I am including a translated work, but it's actually a backlist. So this did not come out in 2020. But the one I'm going to talk about is You Should Have Left by Daniel Kilman, And this is translated from German. And I believe I actually had this on my TBR, thanks to you, Stephanie, because I know you've talked about it before. So this is about a aspiring screenwriter who goes off to vacation with his wife and young daughter at a remote cabin and of course things get strange I'm always so cautious to give away too much of a plot in a story like this because I believe it's only novella length but I will say a few things that the main character the screenwriter is probably one of the most obnoxious main characters I have ever read (laughs) but I really like the book despite that And, and it's definitely done on purpose you are not supposed to think he is a wonderful guy he is very full of himself he thinks he's this amazing screenwriter and you actually get to see little bits of what he's writing throughout the story and I just enjoyed it I actually really liked some of the commentary about marriages after children it wasn't exactly the most flattering portrayal but I also thought it was very honest how it changes that and this book was just unexpected I thought it would just be a straight-up haunted house story you know no something creepy is happening but it went in some different directions that I didn't expect and I just found it to be very unsettling very smart and again because it was short I just thought it was a very smart story that just was written in a very tight way and absolutely loved it so that again is You Should Have Left by Daniel Kilman. I really liked this book um from what I've heard online it seems like the adaptation might have missed the mark or not landed well with a lot of people but I think as a book it's very enjoyable like listen I am here for like Let's use this haunted house to unravel the seams of this marriage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I kind of loved it. (laughs) Yeah, he was obnoxious. I really liked it. I would say it's good for fans of like House of Leaves. Well, actually, no, you hated House of Leaves, (laughs) so scratch that. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it's kind of that type of mind bendy story. Yes, it definitely works in that same way. Maybe because it was shorter, it worked better for me. Yeah. Oh, there's going to be so much <laughs> unpopular feedback on this episode. It didn't ask you to like hold the book upside down and read it in a mirror. No, that was that was nice. <laughs> <laughs> right, moving on to YA. I think since starting the podcast, you and I have loved YA a little more than I think when we started. And I think it's good to grow and evolve. I agree. At first, we're like, oh, let's do an episode on it. And now I'm reading it regularly. It's true. I love it. And both of my picks are authors that I had on this year, but their books were just so good. I know you and I both love, love, loved Clown in a Cornfield by yeah. Adam Caesar. Yes, I nearly would have stolen this pick from you, but I keep forgetting <laughs> that it's young adult because for me, it very much has all ages appeal. So it wasn't until you put on your list that I was like, oh, I could have talked about that one too. <laughs> Absolutely love it though. If you weren't talking about it, I would be talking about it in a minute here. I need a movie immediately because this gave me all like my teen slasher like vibes, favorites. It opens up with like a very like big inciting incident and we're following like a girl who's new to this school and there's she kind of gets dropped in the middle of this like conflict going on within the town that's been brewing for years and she is just here and has to deal with the consequences unfortunately and uh it was just so good as you and I have mentioned we both love slasher stories and I think this delivered on everything I wanted from a slasher story Absolutely. I had so much fun reading it. I think Adam Caesar did an amazing job capturing what teenagers are really like and not necessarily always in a flattering way, but I think it was really realistic. And yeah, it was fast paced and well plotted. And I thought there were some good action scenes. I enjoyed the slashery moments. I thought they were really well done and quite scary for what I was looking for. My second one that I really liked was Bent Heavens by Daniel Krauss. Um, this is about a girl whose father has gone missing and he was really big into like conspiracies and really believed that aliens uh, were abducting people. Like he was very invested in like those types of conspiracies and he actually had like traps kind of around uh, the woods by their house and she and her best friend kind of go checking these traps because it's just something that they do on a routine basis and they find what could be an alien in one of these traps and it's kind of like what do they do how do they deal with this how does she deal with her father and the fact that he may have been right all this time and just where this goes was insane yes it's one that you kind of have to read for yourself because yeah. so much of this book and your feelings about it will depend on how you feel about the ending and just people need to know it's really dark because I did read it too and I remember people thinking oh it sounds cute it sounds like E.T. and I'm like oh <laughs> no, no, oh, no, 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 oh oh honey <laughs> so just go in knowing yeah just there's a reason we're putting it in a horror podcast episode <laughs> Well, the thing is, too, when I had him on, I hadn't finished it. I was halfway. Oh. He was like, oh, yeah, you don't you don't even know oh. where we're going with this. And I was like, OK, I'll get back to you when I finish it. And I finished it. And I was like, holy crap. OK. Yeah. All right. 
That is such a good, I feel like, sleeper pick for the year because, yeah, it's so unexpected. And I think so many people picked it up not having a clue what they were getting into, myself included. I was like, oh, my goodness, this is not what I thought I was reading. I thought I was reading a sci-fi book and then it became so much more. Anyway, I only have one pick for this category because I would have also picked Clown to Cornfield, but I let you keep that one. But my recommendation is still really strong, and that is Deathless Divide by Justina Ireland, which is the sequel to Dread Nation, which I know we both loved. And this is the case where the sequel was even better than the first book. And don't get me wrong, I liked Dread Nation. I thought it was well-paced, it was action-packed. I guess I should let you know it's a historical horror novel that is set right after the Civil War, but the Civil War ended differently because there was a zombie outbreak. I love zombie stories, but I know not everyone does. So I'll let you know that even if you're not someone that normally loves the undead crawling around, this book will definitely still appeal to you because it's really not about the zombies. It's much more about the characters and about what they have to go through. Uh, This book is told from the perspective of a young black woman who is trained to fight zombies. And so there's a lot of topical issues about race and being a woman back in that time period that are addressed. And what I love so much about the sequel is that it is told in dual perspectives. And once again, again, I realize there's a theme going through this episode for me, but there is an amazing female friendship at the center of the story and I absolutely loved it. I feared so deeply for the characters because Justina Ireland is not someone who is afraid to go there and so I did not know who was going to live or die and I was completely immersed. I did do the audiobook and I highly recommend it. It has two fantastic narrators and was just so well produced. I just cannot stop gushing about this book. I read it months and months ago and I'm still thinking about it constantly. I definitely want to reread it. That again is Deathless Divide by Justina Ireland. I need to read this. I have had a lot of people comment and message and tell me that I need to read this and that I'm going to love it. So oh, I need to finally like do it. Yes, you do. I thought you had read it because I think I was one of those people saying yeah. you need to get on this. Because like I said, I liked the first one. I was like, oh, I'll probably read the second one, finish out the duology. And then I was like, no, this is amazing. Everyone needs to read this right now. Like I was telling everyone, read Dread Nation just for the sake of getting to the second book. Like I've, I've been pushing this on so many people and thankfully everyone's been coming back agreeing with me. So <laughs> I for once don't have an unpopular opinion. This one is just a crowd pleaser. It's just so well done in every aspect. All right. Well, a category we added. Actually, no, we might have done this category like two years ago, like the first year that we did Best Of and that is Horror Poetry. Yes, I think we've done it before. This time I was able to match you and and bring in a a pick as well, but I'll let you go first. All right. Well, I picked up uh, Cynthia Palaio's true crime horror poetry collection, Into the Forest and All the Way Through. And these are all individual poems about missing women true crime cases and they're from like different perspectives about like where they were last seen sometimes it's from the perspective of like the person that is missing them like a a spouse or a parent um you know there are some that are from the perspective of like an investigator detective and at the end of each poem she has like the year that it happened you know the name race like who to call if you have any tips and i've mentioned before i have like a interesting relationship with the true crime genre (laughs) and like (laughs) I feel like I talk about it a lot but like how do we consume true crime like 
ethically like I had Cynthia Palio on the podcast and we talked about it but this book is very victim focused like it is about these women and it humanizes them and really gives time and thought into all of these cases and it's just amazing to think that there are even this many and there was like a few that I recognized you know not being like a huge true crime person like there was a few like starting off I'm like oh I know this case like I've heard about this one and I will say this is a gut punch this is not some like it's not a lot of pages but it's not something you can read through because it's just you are going to get overwhelmed with emotion with all of these cases and these poems and it's just a lot but it was a hundred percent worth it that is into the forest and all the way through that is definitely one i need to pick up oh it just it sounds so good and i'm the same way like i enjoy true crime but then i'm always afraid and want to back up that statement because i hate to you know phrase it that i enjoy something based off of you know real crimes involving real victims and so forth but that's a poetry collection that is definitely on my tbr i need to get to it I honestly don't read a lot of poetry, but like I said, I was happy to be able to contribute to the category this year. So the one that I want to talk about is La Bella Jar by Adrian Ernesto Cepeda. And this is actually a collection that is inspired by The Bell Jar by Sylvia Plath, which is one of my favorite modern classics. So right there, I was immediately I intrigued. Yeah, it's one of these rare classics that actually worked for me. You've heard me many times online say I don't always <laughs> connect with classics. They don't always work. Um, I actually did a challenge for 2020 to read a whole bunch of horror classics and I'll just say that that reading goal went horribly wrong. <laughs> I'll just leave it there so that there's not too much hate for this podcast episode. But going back to this book, because I love the bell jar so much, I love this because it basically takes each chapter of the bell jar and rewrites the general story into this beautifully done poetry. And I'm not someone who necessarily always appreciates good prose, but this was beautiful. It is a little bit erotic given the subject matter. And if you're looking for straight up horror, I'll say that this is a little more horror adjacent. So just go in knowing that you're not going to have like a slasher jumping out of the closet partway through the stories or poems rather. But I know that the author has done a lot more straight up horror beyond this collection so I'm definitely interested in seeing more of their work but I really like this one and if you get a chance to see the physical copy of it the artwork on the cover is absolutely beautiful it's just a really nice piece and yeah highly recommend so that again is La Bella Jar by Adrian Ernesto Cepeda and yeah that is just a wonderful little poetry book Ooh, I'm gonna have to check that out I also really like the bell jar I was hoping and you I love did. the cover yes you've seen it yeah it's it's beautiful Okay, now on to backlist titles. I have two. And I will say another like weird genre that I've kind of loved a little more. I think this year I've realized that I do like these weird, surreal, mind-bendy, <laughs> fever-dreamy type <laughs> horror stories that I don't think I really gave a second thought to when we started the podcast or I like was very firmly in the like, I kind of like, like I love House of Leaves, but um, there's something about these like weird narratives that I'm kind of loving. So the first book I want to talk about is The Third Hotel by Laura Vandenberg. And this is about a woman who is recently widowed and her husband was a film critic and he was set to go to like a, a horror film festival in Cuba in Havana. And so she is going in his place 
and she like her husband died very recently so she is dealing with the grief of losing him and what that means for her life now and kind of reflecting on what their marriage was like and what he was like as a person and she is at this festival and she is convinced that she sees him and she starts like trying to follow him and chase him through and I love this because as I've mentioned I love like people dealing with things and this whole novel is basically her like coming to terms and like dealing with this loss and what this means and what this like new point in her life means for her as a widow and reflecting on her marriage and it was like in this very surreal like fever dreamy (laughs) like narrative but I just loved it and they had just like so many quotes on marriage and relationships that I just felt like really were very honest and profound that I think is like what I connected with. My second one is Hangzaman by Shirley Jackson. I picked this up at Barnes and Nobles because I was like, oh yeah, I keep meaning to read more Shirley Jackson and I should. Um, So I picked this up and dove into it. And this is about a girl named Natalie who has a father who's a writer and she has this kind of like stifling relationship with her parents. She has something traumatic happened and then like is set to go to college and it's kind of her about her starting college and kind of not being sure where she fits in she like kind of becomes friends with a professor's wife um but it's a lot of her like reflecting on her place and her relationship with her parents and like what it like being a student and she makes friends with this like very weird girl and it's just like a weird rambly reflective story so I'm gonna say up front not for everyone like if you're like what is the point to this story don't pick it up. <laughs> it's not for you. <laughs> I think you're saying it's not for Rachel. I, I can see myself being hit or miss with that one. <laughs> yeah. But I just, I don't know. I loved it. I missed that Shirley Jackson voice. And I think I just loved spending time with one of her narratives and like being completely in the psyche of a character. And I just absolutely loved it. And I'm like, this was weird. I definitely do not recommend this for everyone, but it 100% worked for me. I gave it five stars. That is Hangs in by Shirley Jackson. Oh, even though that last one may not be a Rachel book, I still love hearing you gush about it. It's something about, yeah, finding books that are just so perfect. And yeah, I love that so much. I uh, cut back to try to keep it reasonable. So I also have two backlist picks for horror. Honestly, it was such an amazing year, not just for Frontless, but I just, I went back and I found so many older books that I somehow missed out on and loved. The first I want to highlight is The Changeling by Victor Laval, which is about a man named Apollo who has a wife and a young newborn son. Something terrible happens. His wife does something and Apollo is forced to basically take on the role of the hero of the story because it's pretty much told in like a fairy tale narrative and he is forced to try to save his family or at least find out what happened and oh my goodness this is a hard one to pitch because again you want to say as little as possible but honestly if I had to pick like a favorite horror book of the year front list or back list this would probably be it because I loved every moment of this book. It is horrifying, but also fantastical and witchy. And I found this book to be particularly scary, which isn't something I hear other people describe it to be. Again, I don't think it's scary in the very traditional sense, but 
because it deals so much with parenthood, I related to it a lot. And there was one scene, which again, I won't spoil, but I read it in the middle of the night when I was dealing with my son who was waking up. And so it was dark and just the sensation of feeling out of control and not being able to protect your family or just, just feeling like your hands are tied in some way was just so emotionally affecting and yeah I felt so deeply for these characters and I also really love that it's a parent story focused around fatherhood in a positive way which is something you don't really see I know I've read books before about the mother again kind of taking on the hero role trying to save their family and so forth but there's way more books about bad fathers and so I really thought that Apollo was maybe not a perfect father but definitely relatable and he tries his best and oh my goodness I love this and I also want to mention because I always forget that there's this amazing aspect of technology built into the story which I love again I love when horror and modern technology blend together and so you're dealing with parents that are sharing maybe too much on Facebook and online and cell phones and oh I could just gush about this for way too long so I'll move along but highly recommend again I check out the audiobook if possible which is narrated by Victor Laval normally authors narrating their own books is a hot mess but Victor Laval has one of the most beautiful narration voices so yeah just cannot recommend the changeling enough sorry I I really liked that one I second it I think he did such a good job of like you said blending kind of the social media like technology aspect of parenting like seamlessly with these fairy tale elements like while still keeping true to fairy tale elements and keeping true to this like 100% modern New York setting. Yes that's honestly something I probably didn't see as much as like knowing what's a true New York and all that and of course you know I have to mention too that of course he speaks on what it's like to be a black man in America. So highly topical if you're looking for a story that has that own voices perspective. It was just so, so well done on every level. <laughs> can, can you tell I just can't stop gushing? The other book I want to talk about is Midnight Rain by James Newman. And this is about a young boy who goes out to the woods and he sees something. And what he sees is this terrible act against a young victim and because of that he has to decide what to do and he has to decide whether or not to go to the police to tell anyone what he saw and the story basically takes place in the summer months and weeks after the event happens and you get to see the consequences of the decisions that he makes. Again, I feel like I'm not giving any plot points in this whole podcast episode, but I'm doing so for a reason because basically, even though it happens right at the beginning of the story, it really is one you want to experience for yourself. What this is, is a coming of age story. And before reading this, I didn't think I liked coming of age stories, quite honestly, at least not the traditional male centered ones. I've read some and appreciated them. But I love this one. I think what I like so much about it is that it focuses on the aspect of the loss of innocence. So in some coming of age stories, there's a group of boys. Instead, this boy is very much on his own. He has an older brother that he looks up to, but his brother at the beginning of the story is moving away. And so he's very much alone with a single mother and he just doesn't know who to trust, who to talk to. And like I said, he makes choices and 
things are not perfect. This is not a lovely story that's tied up in a bow, but instead things get worse and worse and you really get to see how this young boy became a man, whether or not he wanted to or not, the day that he saw this terrible crime. And oh my goodness, like this book affected me so much emotionally. The ending was so powerful, so many gut punch moments. And again, after reading this, I suddenly want to read every single coming of age story out there because I want to find any story that can give me similar feelings to it. And this book, I believe, was set in, I want to say the 70s, so honestly before I was born. And yet I was nostalgic for a period of time that I didn't live in. And just, it's been so well done. Highly recommend it. In my opinion, it's a bit of a hidden gem and I want to change that. So please go check out Midnight Rain by James Newman. He's quickly becoming a favorite author of mine. And I just love this one, if you can't tell. <laughs> that sounds good. All right, moving on to, I thought it would be fun to talk about like non-horror books that we liked. <laughs> so like my genre, I think that I'm kind of sticking with, I'll go through these really fast, was kind of like nonfiction memoir essays this year was kind of my theme. So the first two are by Lindy West. And the first one is Shit Actually, <laughs> which is a collection of essays about big like movies. And I will say this is exactly what I needed this year. This was laugh out loud funny. Lindy West narrates it and she is hilarious. Um, it's called Shit Actually because she wrote an essay, I want to say for like Jezebel, kind of reviewing and making fun of Love Actually. And it kind of like gets shared every December. So it's kind of like based on that. And it's just a collection of all these like movie essays that are, like I said, I was laughing out loud. I'm like, I'm so glad I own the audiobook on Libro FM because I will revisit it when I need a pick-me-up. <laughs> the other book I read by her was The Witches Are Coming, which is a lot more of a feminist, like, you call this a witch hunt, we are here for you. You're right. The witches are here. So I just needed that. So those two were by Lindy West. The next ones may seem a little off the wall, but like, work with me here. It is Open Book by Jessica Simpson. Yes, like, pop star Jessica Simpson. I love celebrity memoirs and this was she was so honest and open like she opens up the book talking about her like coming to terms with like her alcoholism and getting help going back and talking about her whole journey from newlyweds to her dating to like where she is now and you know what I love girlfriend names names she's like you know who's an angel Willie Nelson and Dolly Parton you know who sucks John Mayer and after like this book in Dear John by Taylor Swift, I think we're just done with John Mayer as a person, personally. <laughs> yeah, like she does not hold back. She's like, let me tell you my side of the story. It is this. Also, maybe there was an emotional affair with Johnny Knoxville. Like, it goes there. Like, this is a dishy book. Oh, that sounds want, like, fun. Dishiness. Yes, that sounds so fun. fun. <laughs> Um, and then on a totally different like emotional spectrum, I loved Maybe You Should Talk to Someone by Lori Gottlieb, who's a therapist. And so like half the book is her talking about her going to see a therapist after um, her fiance breaks off the engagement and her coming to terms and like making a breakthrough and making her own discoveries about herself. And the other chapters are about different patients that she's had following them through their journey as like they kind of have their own breakthroughs and like talking about their issues. Like this one made me cry like five times. So emotionally very different to open book <laughs> and shit actually. 
but I loved all of these. Like these were all like four or five star books. I think it's fun to share what we're reading when we're not reading horror books because yeah, it's so different. I love that there's like this whole aspect of your reading that is totally different. Um, <laughs> I'll try to keep my chatter quick on these books. Uh, for those of you that don't know, when I'm not reading horror, usually it's science fiction and fantasy, which may not be your genre, but I'll try to pitch these to you in a way that will sound good. Uh, first, we have Moon of the Crusted Snow by Wabashin Rice. And this is an indigenous story that is technically apocalyptic, but the entire story takes place on a northern Canadian reserve. And so we, as the reader, only get the very small intimate perspective of the people living there so they don't know what's going on they just know that the power's off their cell phones aren't working and this book is sometimes described as horror but it's really not that horrifying if anything it's much more of a contemporary story about life on reserves and you get to see how the community comes together and it really paints an honest picture of what it's like to be on a reserve good and bad and I just loved it it's so quiet it's short and literary and it's definitely just a subgenre that I really enjoy so I do think that people who perhaps like something like Survivor Song might like that I also want to pitch Jade City and its sequel Jade War by Fonda Lee which is a fantasy story but get this it's basically an urban fantasy story set in an Asian inspired world where people have jade that allows them to enhance their martial abilities and the whole story is about a whole bunch of crime families that are fighting for power and so I've heard this book described as like Game of Thrones because it's all about like backstabbing and you don't know who's gonna live or die and it, it basically reads like this fantasy soap opera and I love it so much because it is just so off the walls. So really enjoy it. It's basically fantasy mafia. And the last one I want to recommend is Saturn Run by John Safford and Katine. And this is a sci-fi novel that is set in the near future where they notice that something is coming towards Saturn. And what's unusual about that is that it's decelerating, which uh, normal... Uh, object would not do so they think it's a spaceship and so NASA along with China rushed to make their own spaceships to go and meet whatever is coming to the solar system and the reason I want to mention this is that I think this is the perfect book for those of you that love the Martian because this one gave me similar vibes again you have these space agencies trying to puzzle out problems trying to rush to build rockets and it was just really fun to see what was actually at Saturn I did not know and the suspense completely worked and it's just it's full of humor so honestly it's not quite as perfect as the Martian but if you're looking for something similar I would definitely recommend this one so hopefully even if you don't read a lot of science fiction and fantasy those ones hopefully sounded good and maybe you'll consider picking them up I think we have a lot of listeners that like sci-fi fantasy yeah like, I don't know if we have any listeners that are into like feminist essay collections but here we are we'll find out please let us know on twitter I would love to hear uh which of our non-horror books you're planning on picking out we'll see who wins <laughs> wrapping things up let's tread familiar ground and talk about some chilling obsessions so what have you been enjoying, Rachel? Lots of things. Um, but specifically, I'm actually going to go with a video game. And that is Phasmophobia, which is a game my husband found. Uh, we're playing it on the 
computer, so a PC game. And basically you play as a team of paranormal investigators who go around to these haunted houses and you have to conduct experiments to find out what kind of ghost is in the house. So basically you play as a whole bunch of Ghostbusters. And we don't really know how the game works. It might be our fault. <laughs> so we bring in random objects, like there's a crucifix you can bring in, there's flashlights and like thermometers. And we just kind of put things around the room and like lights flicker. And we usually play with a whole group of Jesse or my husband's really serious uh, online friends. And they're really hardcore gamers, except they scream like little <laughs> girls when we're in these haunted houses. And so... <laughs> I just really enjoy it. I'm like Sid, I'm not even sure if we're playing it right because half the time we don't really know how to make the game work, but it's so much fun. I've always wanted to be a real life Ghostbuster and this game is fulfilling all of those confused fantasies of mine. <laughs> that again is called Phasmophobia. For those of you who want to look it up, it's available, I know, on Steam. That sounds fun. It's so fun. Honestly, I'd love to play it with you because like I said, it requires <laughs> no skill. Or at least not that we know of. <laughs> it's just a lot of guessing. A lot of guesswork. Exactly. We Usually we just end up back in the like ghost busting van and we're like, I'm not sure. Let's just say it's a poltergeist. It's always a poltergeist. <laughs> and sometimes we're right. And sometimes we die. Uh, my chilling obsession is a Netflix movie that came out this year called His House. And this is about a refugee couple from South Sudan that struggle to adjust to their new life in this small English town. And there is an evil lurking beneath the surface. They are experiencing like weird things in the housing that they've been assigned as refugees. And they are, like, they have a lot of trauma that they are running away from. And as you know, I am here for like haunted houses and like people coming to terms with their trauma and testing the limits of like your relationship and what you have been through together. And um, this also deals with, you know, the realities of being a refugee and acclimating to a new culture. Cause like the husband really wants to like move forward and like acclimate to the culture but then there is also like the pull of the wife who you know wants to keep the culture and doesn't feel the need to completely like acclimate and sees kind of that as kind of forgetting where you came from and like the push and pull of that is like very familiar to like most immigrant stories and they like both have things that they are running away from and that kind of manifests in these hauntings and what they see and matt smith is their caseworker and i just think he's adorable so <laughs> i just really really liked this like i think i went into this not sure what to expect and i ended up being very impressed by it just as a a haunted house story and like people dealing a couple dealing with their trauma and like a lot of different levels so that is his house on netflix that sounds really good i've said before i don't always love haunted house stories but that actually sounds like one i think i'd really enjoy and it's on netflix so i should be able to check it Yay. out yes all right rachel you get to participate in our new tradition <laughs> yes i love that you started this so rachel what is your final girl song when you reminded me that I needed to pick one for the episode, I was like, okay, I need to do the perfect one. Like I am the OG co-host, you know, there's a lot of pressure on. So I scoured Spotify. I looked at my old playlist. I wanted to pick something that was like niche and underhyped and like, you know, just like that hidden gem that like, you know, perfect indie pick. 
And then I realized what I had to pick and I didn't even put it in our podcast episode notes. So I didn't even want to tell you ahead of time. (laughs) This is so embarrassing. Everyone has picked such good songs. And mine is Survivor by Destiny Child. Nice. It's a classic of my youth. It speaks to the feminine beliefs of the 1990s and yeah that is my final girl survival song i am so sorry for everyone that is crying inside as i listen to this absolutely not that is a jam i had a destiny's child poster hanging above my bed i have loved beyonce since i was like 10 oh i know like very invested in the beyonce journey (laughs) oh exactly i knew her before she went solo i don't always get to say my pick so i'm gonna add my pick yeah (laughs) (laughs) which was my spotify song of the year and that is rage by rico nasty because this song just has like a build up the chorus is like i like bad bitches who be raging <laughs> and i think this is one i could just see myself like swinging like a bat to like covered in blood like it's definitely like a fight back yes. song <laughs> i want to see that that'll have to be your next tiktok <laughs> please get on that <laughs> i will do yeah i don't know if i i quite have the uh, production levels to handle what i have in mind but <laughs> anyway thank you so much for joining me rachel this is always so fun this is my favorite thing to do every year it's so fun to be back thanks for doing this all again with me it's it brings up all the nostalgic feels and yeah there's no one i want to gush about horror with besides you so this is such a fun way to round out the year can people find you online i guess rachel for new (laughs) listeners Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I'm still on Twitter at Shades underscore Orange, or you can find me on Instagram at The Shades of Orange. But for most people, I would recommend looking on YouTube if you search for my handle, The Shades of Orange. That's where I live. I'm putting up videos about horror fiction, as you can probably guess, reading vlogs, recommendations, all of that. So you can see my face, and I do post twice a week. So I still live on YouTube, and hopefully I'll be back again for another guest episode. It was so much fun. Thanks again for having me Yay. Yay. books in the freezer is a bi-weekly podcast we post episodes every other tuesday you can find us on twitter at books freezer pod on instagram at books in the freezer we are on facebook.com at facebook.com slash books in the freezer you can send us an email at books in the freezer at gmail.com if you would like to support the podcast, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash books in the freezer. And there's a ton of perks there. There's a one, three and $5 level with perks like new episodes and knowing what the next topic is going to be and getting to ask questions when I do author interviews and participating in movie nights. And in 2021, I am going to start to do revisit episodes to topics that we have covered before and we'll do polls to see like which topic we will revisit in 2021 and the patreon supporters have already voted on the first topic we are going to revisit next year so i'm excited to do that and there are bonus episodes my husband and i are making our way through stephen king's the stand for the first time and we drop an episode every month with our progress on that we are almost done with that and then we will be talking about the cbs show when we finally get to that 
So that's one way to support the show. Another way that you can support us is by using our Amazon link that will be in the show notes. And basically, you just click that link. It takes you to Amazon and you do whatever normal shopping you would do on Amazon. Uh, My favorite thing bought using the affiliate link recently is probably this dish towel that just says, OMG, my mother was right about everything. Um, It seems like it could have been maybe a Christmas gift for the holidays. And if it's not, then whoever you are, I hope you're doing okay. You know what? Another fun purchase using that link is this mug that says, you are the luckiest mom in the world. I would love to have me as a daughter because, come on, we love funny mugs here. And I love that. So that is another way you can support the show, but you don't have to spend any money to show your support. You know, it's great word of mouth. So shout about us if you can, like grab a megaphone and shout into it or use an intercom system for a store like Pam did in the episode where it's Michael's birthday and they go to CVS. You can also write, listen to books in the freezer on your window. Like I am throwing out ideas here, but anyway, if all those sound a little too out there, I will also accept a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or another podcast app that you use. Every time you do that, it really does help the podcast. We move up in the charts, which helps our visibility, which in turn helps us grow. So thank you so much to all of you who have taken the time to do that. I really appreciate it. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at lady underscore Ganya or on Instagram at that's what she read. And that's that's with two A's or on YouTube at that's what she read. Thank you so much to all of you for making 2020 bearable, (laughs) the hot mess of a year that it was. And I want to say that I'm above a see you next year joke, but let's face it, I'm not. See you next year and see you next time on Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 